0: As the sun sets across the lake, several kids gather in a nearby cabin. Ranging from four to fifteen years old, they are holding a single piece of string between them. It bobs and weaves across the room through each child's hand and into the hands of the adults nearby. One of the adults, Carol, looks each child in the eye. This is us, she says. We are all connected to each other through our time here and in the memories we have made. When we leave here, we take a bit of each other with us. We have made each other better. You should be so proud of yourselves. All of the kids take a piece of that string for bracelets and anklets and backpacks and headbands. This was the final chapel service of the final day of summer camp, and Camp Scugog has changed yet another generation of campers' lives forever.
1: Carol and Emily, good morning. It is amazing to be with you today, and I'm so excited to talk with you about Camp Scugog.
2: We're excited to be here. Thanks for having us.
3: Yes, thanks for the invitation.
1: What is Camp Scugog? Um, So Camp
2: Scugog is a United Church summer camp, and our mandate is to serve children, youth, and mothers who are affected by poverty. We have uh, five sessions total, 60 campers per session, so about 300 campers a summer. Most of our campers are coming to us um, through referrals through Children's Aid Societies, shelters, and school boards. Um, A lot of our campers have really, really challenging home lives, and um, our goal is for them to have a really awesome, fun week at camp where they're able to be kids. So our five sessions, our first one is a teen camp for 12- to 16-year-olds. Our second one, which is really special, is a mums and kids camp mums um, come most of who are single mothers um, and their kids are 0 to 16 so we actually have like newborn we've had three week olds at camp before um, and then we have a kids camp 8 to 12 another mums camp and then another kids camp and then we have a, a leadership program for 15 to 17 year olds that runs over the course of two summers and um, it actually runs in the off season so we have really intensive summers and then folks meet throughout the year um, to keep the community and, and learnings alive So that's Camp Scugog, in my nutshell, I don't know if Carol, you want to
1: add anything there?
3: Oh, that sounds perfect.
1: And for Camp Scugog itself, I'm wondering what's your relationship to Camp Scugog? Because I know that both of you did not just start recently. You both have been there for quite some time. Yes,
3: well, I started working there as a, um, a young teenager, as a counselor, and I have never really left. So... Forty-two years later, I'm still involved with Camp Skugog, and uh, you know it's a part of me. It's a part of my family, and um, a part of my heart. And it will always be there because of the changes I see in in the moms and the kids, and and know that uh, it's definitely a worthwhile cause to be involved with.
2: My mom Dana Leahy is actually the camp director. I was born in June, and I started attending camp shortly after. So I was I was one of those three weeks old three week year olds um I grew up at I grew up at Camp Scugog and I also went to Camp Oconto. and then when it came time for me to um choose a leadership program I just I loved I loved Camp Scugog I think that our above all else we have a real sense of community and so that's where I wanted to be I worked on staff full-time for eight summers um and now I manage our fundraising efforts so um all, all of our campers are supported financially through donations and I help bring in those donations for campership and then also for capitals.
3: We're very blessed to have Emily who's taken on this role because for years and years we struggled and struggled and and camp sort of was just, you know, floating by with, you know, minimal donations and it was always under repair and when we started coming together and and had someone like Emily who spearheaded our fundraising, it really did start taking off and between her and Dana working together as a team to write those grants and and promote those um you know fundraising initiatives that it really has taken off and become a very stable and um growing ever growing camp program it's a pretty amazing
2: yeah, it's really exciting we have we have a really really wonderful base of donors and volunteers who are I, you know like nearing the passion that carol and i have for camp i feel very lucky in that regard and then i guess i should also note this is just a part-time gig for me i have i have a full-time job so this is just like a little side a side hustle
1: it, it sounds like it's one of those side hustles that ends up being the main gig that yes. like it, it's Absolutely. it's vocational if you will you are balancing both With Camp Skugog itself, I know that one of the biggest things you talk about is not just working with the campers themselves, but all of the volunteers and all of the team leaders and youth leaders. And I'm wondering if you wanted to share a little bit about how exactly you stay connected with all these youth leaders, because when I was up there on May 7th for the cleanup, we had a busload of teenagers and kids in their young 20s who came up. And I don't know of many jobs that I worked at as a teenager I'd be willing to go back to for free to help get it set up. So that's a clear sign of a loving connection with this place.
2: Well, I think what's neat too, for free, after two years of pause, right? Like camp hasn't run in a typical fashion for the past two summers. Our LIT and JC program runs year round. And I think it's one of the most unique and special aspects of Camp Scugog. It's been a year round program for over 15 years now, probably. I'm going to date myself, probably longer. It started um, when I was the LIT and JC director. We applied for a vision uh, grant from the United Church, and we got $2,000, and uh, that launched the year-round LITJC program. And we started, we met four times throughout the very first year, um, and we went to, like, um, we had a sleepover at Metropolitan um, United Church right downtown Toronto. Um, we, uh, we launched the program off of this like 2000 from the Vision Fund and it was just so successful. And the number one way reason I can tell you it's so successful is prior to the year round program, we were hiring a lot of our staff externally. Um, and we, we, so we would have this like incredible summer program and then we wouldn't keep be able to keep the connections alive. Our teenagers would fall back into their home lives, a lot of which were fairly, you know, toxic and challenging. Um, And this year round program totally transformed how our teenagers show up. Um, We now have uh, uh, one of our LIT and JC directors is paid. Again, it's a part time position for her, but she's paid year round. She is in constant contact with the LITs and JCs and as they turn into staff through instagram messages again i'm dating myself but that's how she stays in contact with them they meet throughout the year and she maintains that community so she as she's a teacher in her full time job and then she's at camp in the summer and she works really hard to maintain community throughout the year and then dana is also in constant contact with staff who are calling all of the time um with any anything and everything Um, one time i was at home and a staff called because their stove was on fire they had lit one of their pots on fire and they didn't know what to do. And they were calling Dana and she was like, you know, she was like, well, what you need to do is like hang up, nine one one, whatever, whatever. So um, Dana and, and Carol and Vicky are really um, like social workers and, and they, and they view their role um, very much as outreach and mission and, and, you know, in, in the same way a minister would stay and connect, stay and connect and, and keep their community alive outside of just Sundays. Um, that's their role. And, the, and we're, we're a mission beyond a summer camp, you know?
1: Now that is absolutely phenomenal. Just being able to stay connected with everyone. And you're right. It is ministry and being able to see that it's not your Sunday morning, find a congregation ministry, but it's the kind of ministry that teens and children are actively engaged in that they may never go into a church like after confirmation they may decide that Christianity is not for them, but for them, this was such a big part of their formation in terms of how to be people in society.
4: For a lot of them, the only place like that they show up for ministry and for community, other than other than I guess school, can be community. But Vicky, we try really hard to keep that alive all year long, and for for us, a lot of that during the year is supporting uh, young people through getting jobs um, finding counseling if they need it for something, um, finding courses if they need it, helping them through school. It's, it's a lot of that kind of stuff too. It's not just camp stuff during the year. It's, it's the things that they need to do to get through their school year so that they can be at camp. And that's where Vicki's with them all the time. She is constantly editing papers, helping with resumes, um, helping get jobs, that kind of thing.
1: And I know that we touched briefly on, uh, how, COVID has hit everything and it's just made a hot mess out of literally every aspect of life. Do you want to say a couple words on how COVID impacted you guys? Because you simply could not have a camp while this was happening. Well, um, I guess like
4: everyone else, it's, it's, it's hard on a community. Um, It's impacted us in that we haven't been together in two years. So um, just, I think, Keeping our community together—that's been the challenging part. It's given us time. To, the positive thing is that it's given us time to take a breath and go, okay, how can we, what can we do to make the best of this time? And we've done an awful lot of physical work at camp that we would never would have had time for if we were um, running programs full tilt. So that's been a really positive thing.
3: Well, I think the excitement of the capital improvements at camp that we've been able to do, as you said, Dana, um, since we didn't have kids at camp during the summertime that's a, a great opportunity to work on the grounds and have buildings um, repaired and and upgraded and such and i think that those activities has given us a good focus to keep the excitement of camp alive as well to say you know we haven't had a summer program but look what's going on at camp and for the campers the um, former staff the leadership kids they see the pictures they hear the comments they get involved with conversation and they're excited for camp um, because they know they're coming back to um, a camp that's continued to grow and um, to help make their summers more fun at camp as well. And not um, just a camp that's been left in ruins where it looks like we didn't care about camp. They know that our hearts are, you know, still making the camp as best as it can be for them and ready for them to come back to.
2: I also think that it it forced us to redefine how we create community because we didn't have the physical space in the summer camp. Yeah, um, so we worked with Fairlawn Avenue United Church and sent out letters to all of our summer camp campers the past two years. So letters went out to everyone. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, we sent food to almost all of our families because again, they were having trouble accessing food. Um, at Christmas time, both years, we had a gift drive where we partnered with donors and volunteers who then. Uh, so a donor or volunteer would partner with a family and make sure that family had Christmas. Um, and so it it forced us to sort of get creative in our
4: Christmas or whatever holiday they were, whatever they were celebrating. Like we just wanted to make sure that we brought some sense of of that family holiday joy into everybody's home, however they were going to celebrate that. And that was really successful. That's that's made some partnerships that have stuck. Actually, there that was two years ago, and there are still some board members and staff that remain connected to and helping helping families.
2: And then the other, I think, thrilling thing that came out of the pandemic, the Ontario Trillium Foundation had a resilience community grant that was specifically designed uh, to help help charitable organizations uh, recover and become more resilient should other disasters like the pandemic happened. So we got almost $150,000 from the Ontario Trillium Foundation to launch a nature school. And that enabled us to renovate our farmhouse, which is our, our dining hall, um, so that it could be a four season facility and hire staff. <clears throat> just to pay for their first year um, to launch a nature school. And a late nature school is, is where um, children between the ages of four and 13 miss one to two days of more traditional school. And they come and they have an outdoor education for a day. Um, and what's really thrilling about this program is that kids that are attending are paying full price. And so as our nature school grows, we're bringing in revenue to support our summer camp program, which is especially important because we want to continue to be able to provide extra attention and care that we provided during the pandemic to our families. So it's like another source of revenue so we can continue our year round programming. Um, and our nature school is launching our summer ca- our day camp for the nature school is almost full. Um, and it was a program that really gained momentum and steam. And as we were renovating our dining hall, we're like, how can we do this in an environmentally sustainable way? We had a lot of donors who were really excited about it. So our dining hall is now heated and it is now, now is heated and cooled through geothermal. Um, and so it's environmentally and economically sustainable. So we're really excited. Which is exciting. That, yeah, we're really excited that we were given this sort of pause to think about how do we want to move forward. We want to be able to bring in this revenue generating stream. We want to be able to provide even more support and connection to our community outside of summer camp. And as we grow, we want to do so in an environmentally friendly way.
4: The other part of that, that this really, really lets us highlight is that we have 300 acres of stunning property. We've got waterfront, we've got old growth forest, we've got meadows, we've got, we've got protected swampland. And this is a way for us to be able to use that property and teach kids about, you know, the impact that they're having on the environment. And we have a bit of everything there. Like it really is a beautiful site and it's so nice to be able to see kids using it and learning about their out, learning about nature and what makes us all tick as a planet. And I think that's really exciting and um, and it's just exciting because the property is so diverse. It's not like we just have a waterfront or just have a, a, an old growth forest or just have a meadow. We honestly have a bit of everything. And so the kids, it's such a joy to see the things going on at camp right now. And the kids are learning so much. It is, we're getting notes back from parents at night saying, my kids are coming home and teaching me things about the environment that I didn't know. And that's really exciting for us. That's, that's good stewardship. You know, those are kids that are going to want to take care of that land
1: it makes me think of like the main reason that churches are dealing with creation right now is reminding ourselves, we're not here to own land. We're not here to conquer land. We're here to be stewards of it. We're here to take care of it.
4: Yep. And we've got a whole generation that are going to steward that land. And that's exciting.
1: That is true and real. That That is gospel right there, quite frankly, I could preach sermons on Sunday to my heart's content, but you're taking kids out into these areas and saying you and the swamp that we're dealing with need to take care of each other. Cause there's only one of you and there's only one of the swamp and we're going to run out about if we don't.
4: And because we're, we're a nature school and we can, we can create our own, our own programs like yesterday It went from yesterday was supposed to be about planting. But the kids that came yesterday learned about weather patterns and tornadoes and um, what happens when a tree is diseased. Because some of our trees that came down, it's obvious that it was in a a spot that the woodpeckers had been in, a woodpecker that they had been watching all week. So it just becomes like everything that happens right now just becomes a teachable moment for us.
3: And when you're learning in school about connecting with your Um, with yourself and with your community and your surroundings. It's one thing to talk about it in a building at school, but to be able to come out into nature and actually hands-on experience that connection, I mean, that, as Dana said, is going to be something that they're going to remember um, far longer than any, you know, short course that they learned in school. (laughs) And then from the
2: fundraising perspective, I think it's so thrilling that we are trying to find a revenue stream so that donor dollars are, are unbelievably important but we'd like to expand our offering to our summer camp uh, campers we'd like to pay our summer camp staff more um, and so to have a revenue stream where we still rely on donations some campers pay camper fees to arrive at camp and then we have this separate um, stream of revenue coming in through a source that we're really proud of i think is just unbelievably exciting
3: I think support from the community as well for so many years um we tried to keep our camp kind of under the radar because of the clients that we serve and we you know as a protection method um but with internet and cell phones and and everything and google satellite like we we aren't protected anymore um you know we talked to a parent that wants to sign their kid up for camp said oh well i've seen how you have a you know a circle of cabins and we're like Oh, how do you know that? Oh, well, I looked on Google Earth and, you know, and it's like, wow, okay. Well, so now that we have this nature school and, and we're promoted in um, the local Port Perry town and having newspaper articles or being involved with their Santa Claus parade and, and you know, promoting at their farmer's market. And it's really helping our camp and our, and our site be connected with the community and, and getting support from the community if we need it. Um, and we've been there for, you know, a hundred years and, and they've, you know, you could talk to people in the community and they'd say, oh, I didn't even know there was a camp there. Um, but now they do. And I think that it's very, um, exciting to know that we have the support of the community.
1: I wonder if that is going to be part of that larger conversation. You're right that many of your campers and many of the families out there that you are dealing with, they might be more concerned about that safety aspect.
4: In the summer, We are vigilant about gates being locked. Um, Nobody goes to bed at night until we've done a walkthrough of camp and stuff. So we're really careful, careful with our security there. We just happen to be on Google Maps now. But I don't think the moms or kids come being worried. I think the moms and kids come feeling more secure than they do in the city because, number one, in their eyes, we're in the middle of nowhere. No one could find them. But... The reality is they're more protected there. There are people taking care of them. I mean, we patrol that property and are careful with our security more so than most places. So for most of the moms that come, they come to camp and they'll tell you they feel really safe here because they know that we know who's on site all the time. And as funny as it sounds, we have three donkeys. And Roberta, if you were to come on site (laughs) in the middle of the summer, (laughs) yep, those donkeys would set off such an alarm bell, you'd never get through the gates without all of us knowing.
1: I think that's the thing that surprised me the most going up there is I know of camps that have dogs. I honestly didn't think donkeys, but that's my little city brain.
4: (laughs) I knew it, but didn't know it to the extent that it is. We got them because we live in farm country and coyotes here are a problem. And we were getting to the point where we had seen coyotes on property. And our concern was because we had small children, it was not safe for us and we had to do something. So, um, you know, what do you do? <laughs> and after reading and talking to a local number of local farmers, we decided that a donkey on site was the um, way to deal with the coyotes, which it a hundred percent was. We've never seen one since we've had them. But what we didn't know was that they also are, are alarm animals and that they're incredibly intelligent. So when the bus comes to camp and 60 new kids come back, come out of that bus, Within probably an hour of them being all, on site, if you showed up and weren't part of that crew, they would warn us that somebody new was on site. How they know that is beyond my comprehension, but they are amazing animals for us, actually. And they're friendly and they're part of our programming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're lovely and the kids love them because they, they're, they're friendly and they're small. like They're, t- they're, they're miniature donkeys, so they're not very uh, threatening looking.
1: Sounds like a perfect metaphor for Camp Skugog itself of uh, creating a safe and friendly environment for these kids, for these families at large. But also, it is very secure and it will take its safety incredibly seriously. So we're going to have fun. Oh, very much so. But also safety.
4: Very much so. We take our safety seriously, yeah.
1: So speaking of
2: animals, we have the three donkeys on site. We have chickens on site, um, and then there's always a hand, uh, we have a cat on site, and then there's always a handful of dogs. So Dana has two dogs, Carol has a dog, and then sometimes staff have dogs too. So it's a it's a full it's a full I don't know animal zone. Menagerie. And chickens, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the chickens are a riot, and the chickens are super fun. Kids push the chickens around in strollers.
3: Or carry them in baby slings on a hike.
2: <laughs> so we talked about, the, your, you, ha, you, asked a question, you asked a question about how we keep our community alive during the year. And I think we answered that. But I also want to talk about during the summer and some of the things that I, I think make Camp Scugog unique. So in addition to having our year-round leadership program and in addition to having our moms and kids camp. So we have some like, unique programming going on. I think what also really sets us apart um, We, our our camper population is really diverse. We get kids from all different backgrounds, all different skin colors arrive at camp. Um, And it's really important that to us, that campers can look at their counselors and say, that person looks like me. They're from places like me. Um, I, you know, I could be like them. And so that's part of the reason our year round leadership program is so important because we hire almost exclusively from within our own population, which is really unique for organizations that serve the clientele that we serve. Um, so in 2019, the last summer that we were open, we had about 37 staff and I think like 33 of them had been former campers. It's really just Carol and Dana at this point that weren't campers at Camp (laughs) Skugok. Almost everyone else, because even our other assistant director, Gary, was a camper. So it's really just Carol and Dana are bringing down my stats here. But almost everyone else... Um, Almost everyone else uh, was a former camper at Camp Scugog. And it means that our our staff are just as diverse as our campers, which is unbelievably important to creating the kind of intentional community we want.
4: We're working hard at also not only having staff look like me, you know, when kids come to camp, but that the food on the table tastes like what I might get at home. Because we get this, we get that diverse population. And then what do we serve at the table? we serve traditional camp food which is what grilled cheese sandwiches meat and potatoes oatmeal for breakfast maybe some muffins like it's very or lack of a better word north american white food so this summer we have a fusion between nigerian food and uh east indian food which will be really interesting our our cooks our parents of of Um, people in our community one is a mom that's been there for years and the other is um, a staff's mom so that's going to be really interesting for us too to try and make our table look like us and look like our community so that is our goal right now that when we serve meals it isn't odd looking to some that it that it also reflects community that you want to sit down and break bread with other people because you're not sitting down and going what the heck is this So that's what we're working on right now
2: um and then the other thing i want to share is that we're just we're extra intentional about our day and the songs we sing and the games that we play we have a really high camper staff ratio so we have a a ratio of two campers for just one staff Um, a lot of our campers have behavioral challenges a lot of them again have had really really hard lives so of course they have you know some things that they're working through Um, so we have a really high camper staff ratio and for our summer camp campers we are primarily focused on having fun. So we're not a skills-based camp. If you're coming as an eight-year-old, your goal is to have a great time and feel connected and feel loved and cared for and like you are a, a valuable, important member. Um, and so that's sort of our, our main goal if you're coming as a kid. The skills-based component starts feeding into our LIT and JC program. That's where we start to see um, the, the leadership group get canoeing levels and swimming levels and kayaking levels. And then our staff training is really, really robust. Um, we spend a lot of time talking about camper management and behavior, and we also spend a lot of time giving qualifications because at a lot of other camps, if you're going to be a waterfront staff, for example, you're hired with your NLS, your, your um, lifeguarding papers, and it's assumed that you got that during the year. Our campers um, maybe don't have the money to attend the course. They may not even have the money to hop on the subway ride to get to the course. You know, um, a lot of our a lot of our campers like their parents don't have access to higher, don't have higher education, and so they're really the first people in their family to even take a lifeguarding course. I remember when I um, was LIT and JC director, one of my campers got their bronze cross, and she was crying at the end of it, um, in, like totally pleased and proud of herself, and said that she was the first person in her family to accomplish anything, and that's the step before becoming a lifeguard. So I've deviated here, but we spend a lot of time during staff training giving our staff qualifications. So we, um, we do our waterfront NLS, we do our camp canoeing, our, um, our kayaking canoeing instructors, so that there's not an expectation that campers have to get it outside of camp. It also means that almost more than half of our campers are lifeguards. Yeah, thanks we do first aid too. It also means that more than half of our staff are lifeguards. And then we work, we have some pools that we partner with in the, in the city so that when staff go back to the city, a lot of them get lifeguarding jobs um, to support during the year. And for a lot of them, they're the highest paid um, member of their family because, you know, as a teenager, a lifeguard is a, is a pretty great job. <clears throat> um, and so it's like we give the qualifications during the summer and then we help connect them with jobs during the fall um, because we're, we're really looking at poverty alleviation holistically you know? So fun as a kid so that you feel empowered and proud of yourself, like you can do the skill-based. And then when you're old enough, uh, really taking advantage of
3: skill-based and then supporting through staff as well. Because of the uh, the impact the pandemic has had on so many people um, of our community that already are, you know, have some challenges or some things they're working through, we felt, we um, we felt that with the pandemic kind of heightening some of those issues that the staff need to be more prepared um to help th- the clients when they come to the camp and so we're going to be having a mental health uh training course as well um just so that the staff who even are you know have some ch- things that might be going through as well um be more prepared and and informed and um trained so that we can again make sure that the campers that come to us this summer do have the best time that they can have um in this in uh you know the caring and and empathy um that the staff have learned through the mental health course and whether they're triggers or signs and and you know where do we go as staff to help support these um our client our community and just having that um, information and, and resources will be certainly very helpful this year.
1: It, it sounds like it's incredibly holistic that you are covering everything. It's not just about the couple of weeks that you have the campers actually at the camp. It is a year-round operation in order to make this happen, in order for everyone to be taken care of and to have this community grow around them and I think my almost last question we've danced around this a little bit however I did want to touch base on the fact that you do have your mums come up or the campers mums come up which is not very often a thing at summer camps especially in Ontario especially at sleepaway camps usually the M.O. for every parent I know is they put their kid on the bus and they pick them up like two weeks or three weeks later and they don't need to worry about them. But this is one of the first camps I've recently encountered that actually has the parents stay with the campers as well, which I think is a very different idea. And I wonder if you wanted to talk about that a little bit, if that's all right.
2: Our, our mom's camp, I agree is totally special mums come with their kids age zero to 16 a lot of mums are single mums and a lot of mums particularly in mums camp um are new to canada we work a lot with Bloor street united church um and they they work with a lot of refugees and, and they send them to camp um so what's really neat about this program mums share a cabin with their kids but during the day they do totally separate programming so um, mums even in the dining hall the mums will sit with other mums so they can build community and connection and break bread together and the kids will eat with the with other kids Um, and then during the day kids will go off to programming swimming canoeing kayaking archery crafts that sort of thing and the mums will also have the opportunity to do programming to be honest, a lot of times, and, and Carol can speak to this from her experience, a lot of the moms want to connect with other moms and have great conversation because a lot of them are working more than one job to make ends meet and have you know kids at home and are just run ragged. And so the opportunity to connect with other moms and build community is unbelievably important to them. Um, we meet up at the end of the day uh, for campfire, all moms and kids and staff together, do a campfire. So every night at Scugog, we have a campfire. Um, And then when the, after the kids go to bed, moms have special programming. They play bingo. They have spa nights. They do night swims um, and just have a lot of fun connecting with other women. Um, So it's a really neat program where you know, I, I imagine it for, for our listeners, it's kind of like going to a resort where you're having an awesome vacation with your kids, but then your kids also go and do like the fun resort programming. It's because the, the idea is like that, you know, where the moms are around and they can hear their kids having fun and they're around, but then they also know their kids are having a ton of fun at the resort programming. That's sort of the vibe that we're going for, um, because this is, uh, this is the vacation for a lot of moms. This is, this is their vacation for the year. Um, And we do our best to, when our moms are eating breakfast, for example, we'll have staff come over and say, you know, can I take your tea or coffee order? What can I bring you this morning? Um, Little, little, little moments in the day that um, make moms feel really special. We have one mom... Um, who has spoken a couple of times at churches for us. And she talks about arriving at the bus and having a total panic attack in Toronto. Um, And like, I can't go to camp. What am I doing here? I'm overwhelmed. Her calling, Vicky, who's our um, office manager, and Vicky just really calmly saying, I'll stay with you on the phone, but you need to get on the bus. And so she makes her way on the bus. She's continuing to have this panic attack. She gets to camp. And she talks about her first time at camp. She's been many times now, but her first summer at camp um, being offered coffee and tea and asking what she wants and being given a tour and the It was the first time in her adult life that she really felt uh, dignified and respected and it gave her a totally different perspective on how she, the respect she deserves in the world and how she should show up and how the kind of relationships that she can expect. Um, to have and the kind of interaction she can expect to have with other people. So it totally transformed her own view of herself. Um, Just that, that one week of being shown love and kindness, really.
3: Wow. Yeah. So many, um, you know, moments like that, that we end up with, um, with the moms at camp. We have, um, you know, moms that also come from shelters and, and knowing that, there's food on the table three times a day. There's coffee and tea when they wake up at seven o'clock in the morning before breakfast is even served. Um, there's evening programming, um, as Emily had mentioned, where our this counseling staff are making sure that all the kids that are sleeping in their cabins are safe and they're being watched until the moms come back. And the moms would say, oh, this is like Free babysitting, and I'm like just going out for the night, you know, and and we just have a lot of fun as adults and with the staff, and and showing them that you know they can, um, just be themselves and not have to worry about like they don't I know they don't have money to pay a babysitter, so they never have an opportunity to go out and and just have fun themselves and know that their children are safe, and the moms will constantly talk about how they're they can't believe how much love and. Um, care that the counselors give their kids and that they know that their kids are always safe and that all the safety measures we have at camp are all to help protect them and that their kids you know can have fun and will always be taken care of Um, and the 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 opportunity to just let their guard down as Emily was saying with the one mom who you know was helped and her hand basically held through um getting to camp and and I I had a mom once who we went out canoeing and and when we got back from canoeing and she was in my boat and I we were all leaving the waterfront and I'm like well wh- where's this mom and and she was sort of off to the side and she was crying and I and I thought oh my gosh you know what what what's happening and and when I went and talked with her and and she just broke down and and cried and cried and she relayed her experience of escaping you know Syria with her children and having witnessed you know her husband not being with them anymore and how she had never never cried in two years since she's been able to get out of that situation and that she felt so at peace on the water and canoeing and and so comfortable that she finally was able to grieve and um come to terms with it and and feel safe that she was in a place where her she could do that and her kids were safe and she was safe and knew that she would be comforted through that and that was very very life-changing for her and for myself and and um, you know things with that situation years later she you know her kids have come to camp on their own and she knew that camp was safe, and that she could send her kids without her, and that happens so much with our mom's camps, is that the kids come when they're young, and then they see the care, and the safety, and the programming, and then when their kids are old enough, they do send their kids on their own, Um, and some of them, their kids, they come with their kids until they're aged out. And then they're 15 and they're, they're begging us, what are we going to do now? We don't have any more kids. And they start bringing like a grandchild or they bring, you know, someone else's friend, uh, kids and because they don't want to leave camp either. And that's, for example, what Dana was saying with one of our moms that's going to come and help cook this summer because her, her son has aged out, and but she wants to be at camp. So we're trying to find a place for her where she can t- continue to feel part of our community and, and have worth and, and be able to offer and give back to camp that had given her so much
2: um two things two things dana texted me she wanted to share about mom's camp the the first is not specific to mom's camp it's all camps but uh because a lot of our families experience food insecurity there can be some you know issues around food and so one of the things that we do that may be different from other camps is we literally have always have food available so if you you know feel panicked like you need food in between breakfast and lunch you could go in and you could have a full meal that our staff will you know pull out leftovers for you or you could just have a banana and so if a camper says something like i'm hungry we don't Um, I think at lots of camps you could say, like, lunch is going to be an hour, you're going to be fine, let's go canoeing. We would take something like that a bit more seriously because um, some of our our kids get, like, really panicked about where their next meal is going to come from. So that's an example of something that we maybe do that's different from other camps. And we have, like, moments like that throughout the whole day where our programming is slightly different because our, our population, you know, has a lot of challenges and that show up in interesting ways um the other thing to go back to treating everyone um giving everyone the opportunity to just be a kid and, and feel like a winner at Mums camp we have an award ceremony um and the idea behind it is a lot of mums may not have the opportunity to attend award ceremonies for their kids um and so we have an award ceremony where every single camper gets something that is made by the staff so when we say awards uh the staff will be like you get the award for like going in the swamp and having fun and <laughs> you get the award for I don't know Carol jump in what the awards are but the staff they, they make things so I have um I have a I I still have from when I was a camper things that my staff made for me so like staff will make pillows and they'll make blankets and they'll make stuffed animals and they'll like they'll get out the sewing machines that it's like really it's like a it's really an exciting moment and staff working on their Yeah, they work hard on their awards all week long for these kids. Um, And then we have an awards ceremony and then also kids get the like, you know, you went to swimming and canoeing and they get stickers for all these things. But um, we just take so many opportunities to celebrate and recognize the sort of the inherent dignity in everyone and how everyone has something really valuable that they can bring to the table because so many of our campers don't feel like that outside of camp.
3: And it's a real reflection that the staff um, really have gotten to know those children and they and they found what's. Um, you know celebrate the uniqueness of every camper and recognize that and and sometimes the moms are like oh I didn't even know that my kid liked picking up frogs and here they get the you know an award for being a frog catcher or something you know so it uh, it really does celebrate what these kids are good at and it's
2: such a testament to when you remind someone of the dignity that they have, and they feel empowered to do something, then when our LITs and JCs arrive, they have their, their lifeguarding papers, their canoeing, their kayaking, just like lots of other kids, their teens their age, right? So it's not, it's not a patronizing thing. It's like you just you have, to build, you have to build someone up before you can push them to acquire new skills. You know, you have to remind them that they are important enough, valued enough, have enough dignity for them to have the confidence to tackle and try out to achieve a brand new skill.
1: Absolutely. I think that is probably one of the biggest things from hearing about Camp Scugog. And there are many summer camps that that is their whole point of encouraging people to learn new skills and try new things and get out there. And with Camp Scugog, you're doing that with a group of people that, the risk is so great, but the reward is tenfold. And that is fantastic work. Now, before we uh, let our listeners go off into the sunset with their campfire song stuck in their head, if they may want to be connected, they may decide, hey, this is a great organization. How do I get involved? How do they get involved with you guys? So your best bet is actually
2: go to our contact page on our website, www.campscugog.org. Uh, send an email through your contact page, and then um, our office manager, Vicki, will get it and send it to the right person. We There are so many opportunities to volunteer. As you know, you came to Spring Cleanup Day. We have an annual Spring Cleanup Day where we open our facilities. Um, we are always, always looking for more donors to help send kids to camp. Um, every single child and mom and teen that goes through our gates is supported through a donor. So if you'd like to help send a kid to camp, again, you could either reach out to us and learn more and we can share that, or you could just go straight to our website and make a donation, um, to send a kid to camp. The total cost for us is about, uh, $1,200. Um, but a donation of, $10 and up, you know, $1 to $10 makes a huge difference when it comes in mass. And um, so anything, any donation makes a huge difference and helps send a kid to camp.
1: Emily and Carol and Dana, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. And we hope that you have an awesome summer and we look forward to staying connected with you and we want to hear how this uh, season goes.
0: Welcome to the Rooster Crows brought to you by Lawrence Park Community Church I am Roberta Howie, one of the hosts of this podcast. Today, we are with Camp Scugog. It is a special place that holds a piece of our hearts here at the LPCC community, and we hope to share with you why that is right now. Summer camps are a major part of the Ministry of the United Church of Canada. The UCC currently runs over 50 camps across Canada, with a huge range of ages and interests. There are camps focused on wilderness exploration and arts and music, those focused on communities like the LGBTQ community, and more. What is so special about summer camp? And what is special about Camp Scugog? Grab your sleeping bags and your bug spray and let's go find out. Joining us today are Camp Scugog's Dana Leahy, Camp Director, Kael Rhinus, Assistant Director, and Emily Clark the development officer. Thank you so much to Carol and Emily and Dana for joining us today. For more information about Camp Scugog or any of the other summer camps for the UCC, links are in the description of wherever you are listening to us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Rooster Crows. For more information about Lawrence Park Community Church, you can find us at lawrenceparkchurch.ca, including our podcast archive. I am Roberta Howie. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.